0: Hello friends, welcome this to another episode of the Brittle World Football Podcast. My name is Josh Norris. His name is John Daigle. We're almost done. Week 16. Week 16 is here. Everyone's fancy
1: championships are just around the corner. Mm -hmm. Let's help them out. How you doing, Daigle? Everything's going well. It was the NBC company Christmas party. I missed you because you said you were sick, but you just didn't go, which is fine. Uh, I showed up and it had died down a little bit, but those things can get Crazy.
0: So, it was at a place that has like a driving range, a digital driving range. Was that going on? I know. It's still going on. Okay.
1: But my golfing game has Yeah, how are down you as a golfer, August. Daigle? I played a lot this August. Okay. But it has slowed down since. So, mm-hmm. I'm not going to jump back in. Do people golf in the winter? Is that a thing?
0: Not here. The ground is like
1: cement. Can you just buy like red balls? No. And, okay. It's, it's cement. All right. Well, so I'll just slow down until the spring then.
0: You know what? I just put a few things together, Daigle. What's uh, up? You said you golfed a lot this August. Yeah. Um I was here, sitting in this studio a lot in August. Yep. You were on the golf course a lot in August. I
1: <laughs> no, remember I was driving cross country during this time. Remember driving this?
0: by driving, you mean in a golf cart on a golf course?
1: I mean, I'd get a, I'd get a start the day at the golf course and then jump in a car and drive some uh-huh. more and go on and on and on.
0: Things make more sense. It's now. for, it was for business reasons. You got to, you got to network. Make more sense now. Uh, okay, so today is our normal preview episode. We'll hit on. THE BIG NINE GAMES OF THE WEEKEND, DO WANT TO POINT YOU TO A FEW DIFFERENT EPISODES. Um, YESTERDAY'S EPISODE WITH IAN Harditz. REALLY THE MAIN FOCUS WAS LISTING, TALKING ABOUT OUR TOP FIVE PLAYERS OF THE LAST DECADE. It WAS A REALLY, REALLY FUN EXERCISE. Mm-hmm. I KNOW YOU LOVED IT, DAGLE. Uh, AND I'VE LOVED HEARING FROM ALL OF YOU, YOUR TOP FIVES AS WELL. SO GO AND LISTEN TO THAT EPISODE AND HIT ME UP WITH YOUR TOP FIVES. YOU also, didn't ASK ME,
1: AND I'M NOT GOING TO CREATE A LIST, BUT TERRELL OWENS WOULD BE MY NUMBER ONE. But
0: pick, he, his. Way. But the bulk of the, his career, the high moments, weren't in this last decade. Okay, that's fair. Right. So that's really what we're looking at. We're not looking at, like, because I didn't list Steve Smith, you know, because most of the biggest points of his career happened before 2010. So you're trying
1: to tell me Owens as a bill wasn't impactful?
0: No. Okay, fair. It's, like, it's like Jerry Rice as a Tennessee Titan. That's all fair. Um, also, Roto-World Live this weekend is at Saturday, noon Eastern. Not Sunday. Saturday. That is twitch.tv slash Rotoworld. Saturday noon. And that comes right on the heels of an Aston Villa match. It should end at the exact point we launch Rotoworld Live. So I could be the most joyful person in the world, or you might have to be... The
1: game ends right when we go into the show? Yes. Interesting. Interesting. Okay.
0: Kickoff at 10. Rotoworld Live kickoff at noon. The next three matches for Villa, wildly important. Extremely important. They're like make or break for the season. They oh, they play the three teams that are below them on the table right now, the only three teams below well, them. Well, if you're going
1: to talk about things people care about, then I'm going to talk about other things people care about, and that is at 4 o'clock, probably after the first game, then I'm going to Rockefeller Center to see what? the Christmas tree. Uh-huh. I'm going to go be tourist in New York. I'm very excited about that.
0: Notes from Hayden, who also went to go see the Rockettes?
1: Uh, I'm not going to do that. I did look into musicals, as we know. As you've seen a Disney Princess video, I'm into musicals. <laughs> And compilation
0: videos Disney Haven't pulled the trigger on a
1: ticket yet. But that's that's just my Saturday. Don't worry about that. One
0: more note before we kick this episode off. Next week, we will also have your typical Monday morning recap pod where we go game-by-game review of that weekend's games. Again, you'll still have that in your feed on Monday morning. But we won't have your typical Tuesday and Thursday episodes next week because we will all be gone. Yeah. We won't be sitting here. Daigle will try to find some golf course to go on to, and I'll be with my family. Um, but we will have a preview episode yeah. to end the week. We'll still have an episode while important. I'm on the golf course, yes. Yes, so that preview episode will probably be up next Thursday or next Friday, again for week 17. But you're going to win week 16, so it doesn't matter. Ready for these games, Daigle?
1: Let's talk about these games that matter.
0: All right, again, we're going to talk to Pat and Hayden later on. And for continuity purposes, the first three games that Daigle and I are going to hit on are all of Saturday's games. It's a good way of doing it. Mm -hmm. We're smart sometimes. The first matchup is the Houston Texans at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You know, Houston's coming off a super important win over the Tennessee Titans. They're three-point favorites here. But what I'm drawn to, Daigle, is this total. A total of 51. Mm -hmm. And that speaks to the type of talent on both of these teams' offenses.
1: You know, what's funny is that it's actually been bet down an entire field goal. And I wonder if that's because recently in their past five games in particular, and you have to look into the context of the quarterbacks they've played, but the Bucks' defense has been better. Their front seven has been impactful, actually, as Shaq Barrett continues dominating. Uh, however, it's going to be interesting because now they are missing, the Bucks are missing Mike Evans. Right. They're missing Chris Godwin. They're missing Scotty Miller, who had a 33-yard touchdown and then re-aggravated his hamstring and got put on injured reserve. So their four-wide they're four set, three-wide set, they're going to go in with four active receivers, and that is Brashad Perryman, who we saw somehow spike three touchdowns on six targets. Uh, that is Justin Watson, who we discussed the past two weeks. Cyril Grayson, who they called up as a track superstar. Fake name. And Ishmael Hyman, who is used to, who played in the AAF last year. Yeah. So that is their three four-wide receiver set.
0: We do need to give credit to Brashad Perryman, though, because it's funny, and I— brought this up, and at least I find this level of football statistics humorous, but he was basically on, or he is basically on the Bucs because the Browns traded for Odell Beckham. They had agreed to a contract with Prashad Perryman, but Mm -hmm. once he knew he wasn't going to be a top two wide receiver for the Browns, then he goes down to Tampa Bay and was somewhat A top three receiver for them this season, but now we see him with five touchdowns to his name compared to Odo Beckham's two touchdowns to his name this season. In the last three games for Perryman, five catches, 87 yards, three catches, 70 yards and a score, five catches, 113 yards and three touchdowns. If people have played him in that span, um, it's very likely they're in their fantasy championships. So the question is, Daigle, how confident are you starting him in this fantasy
1: championship? It's similar to the question we had last week with A.J. Brown about A.J. Brown's volume issues. However, as I stated, it wasn't logical. You should still be starting A.J. Brown over most questions you have for other wide receivers. I'm slightly skeptical about Rashad Perryman. Um, I mean, just to think scores three touchdowns on five catches. That alone, obviously, is kind of crazy. He's going to be out there for every single snap. It's a terrific matchup. And I think guys we still have question marks about, Cooper Cup. Uh, Even someone like Tyler Boyd, I would actually start Perryman over them. But you can draw the line around wide receiver 20 or 21 with confidence this week.
0: It will be a difficult decision compared to someone like Jarvis Landry. Jarvis Landry faces the Baltimore Ravens, a very difficult individual matchup for him. But he will get more volume maybe than someone like Rashad Perryman. Landry
1: and like guys like Landry and Kirk, their floor is definitely higher. So it's just like last week, you have to ask yourself, like, do you want the floor or are you willing to chase that ceiling? Because Perryman does have another hundred yard, two touchdown game in the bag in this one.
0: Couple more notes, Jameis Winston, I believe has two straight games of 450-plus passing yards.
1: 904 yards short of Peyton Manning's record. He's not going to get there. No. It's 452 yards the next two games. But he has, as you said, 450 yards in consecutive games.
0: So without Mike Evans, without Chris Godwin, it would be interesting to see if he can do that. And switching gears here, low-key, this Tampa Bay pass defense has really improved. Yeah. And it's interesting because it was the – pieces, the defense that we wanted to pick on in the air all season long, and we also know that they are number one in defensive DVOA against the run. So this is a defense that now we're hitting our stride of, you know, wanting to win our fantasy championships. It's not really the option that we want to pick on as much. and We talk about it every single week with this Texans offense. It's up to if they hit their big plays or not. And Will Fuller being in the lineup last week, even if he didn't have, you know, those four or five massive gains that he has the potential to have, Mm -hmm. he still opens up everything else in this offense, even with his just ability to be on the field. So the question is, and I don't know if it's even predictable or not, because even in good matchups, the Texans haven't been able to do that, but can they hit these big plays against this Bucks secondary?
1: I feel, still think it's a great matchup for Deshaun Watson, because you look at those five games that the Bucs have improved, and it w- started with the Saints game in New Orleans, in which Sean Payton got engaged 48 hours prior, and they just stayed out all night on Bourbon Street partying. So it makes sense that Saints kind of had flop lag in that one. And then you had Matt Ryan for a struggling offense uh Nick Foles who got benched mid-game Jacoby Brissett who hasn't been the same since that ACL injury and then of course last week against David Blau so they have looked better but again they haven't played the best competition and now you get Deshaun Watson likely with Will Fuller at full health right and so it's just a it's different competition altogether.
0: super quiet 1,000 yard season by Carlos Hyde by the way he's already hit that mark two games left to play too it's wild uh Obviously, the Texans can win the AFC South if they win this game. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a really close game they had last week against Tennessee. They just made, like, the two plays that took them over the top in terms of the interception near their own goal line near the end zone and then the stopped fake punt. So and, um, and, yeah, stuffing Derrick Henry at the goal line twice yep. was huge. All right, next game, Buffalo Bills at the New England Patriots. I think I got this total correct, 38-and-a-half? Yeah. Is
1: that it? Yeah, That's unless it. it's been, unless it's moved a little bit, but
0: uh, last two times or last time these two teams played much earlier in the season, and it was super close. I don't know if you remember this, Daigle, but mm-hmm. neither offense could get anything going. It was very very tight, and then Josh Allen suffered a head head injury, was forced to leave the remainder of the game. So Matt Barkley stepped in, and the Patriots defense just swarmed him, just demolished him. Um, that game was really probably decided by Josh Allen exiting. How do you think this one's going to play out?
1: It's tough. Now we've gone, What that game was what, week three? Yeah, it was super yeah. early. And so we've seen the Patriots' office now for 10, 11 more games since then, and obviously it's been very bad. Uh, I I do like the Bills to, at the very least, compete in this matchup. And if they do so, it'll probably be on the back of Devin Singletary, who's now just getting every single carry over Frank Gore outside of goal line touches. Uh, 18.3 carries over the past month for him. As he continues to just log, over 70% of the team's snaps among that backfield. That is how you attack. We saw... Even in a blowout against the Bengals last week, uh, even Joe Mixon just toppled for over 120 yards rushing. Like, so Singletary should be their X factor in this matchup that they mm. lean on.
0: You know, this Buffalo Bills team has obviously already locked up a playoff spot. They did that in a weird game against the Pittsburgh Steelers last week. Yeah. Um, where it felt like for stretches, because, again, Josh Allen's going against really top defenses the last two weeks, and he gets them again this week. Um where like Brian Dayball, the offensive coordinator for the Bills, went through moments of not seemingly trusting his quarterback. Like there was a first and goal situation where they then ran it three straight times and they lost yardage in those situations. But then in like the most critical piece, I don't know if he like reset himself as a play caller. And it made sense because I was talking with Bills fans on Twitter about this, that like Josh Allen is the reason why the offense is kind of moving or not, for better or for worse. So, why not just in these pivotal situations, go with what you have at quarterback and not just take the ball away from him? Like either You like ride or die with him. Be like the highs and the lows. This is what we always talk about with Josh Allen. So they did that later in the game, mm-hmm. again near the goal line, ran an isolation route with Tyler Croft, who's more of a blocker than he is receiver, and Josh Allen threw a perfect pass on the right side of the field. So it's one where Josh Allen constantly looks confused, Look confused sure, yeah. against the Pittsburgh Steelers, is not an accurate deep ball thrower, but if he's on his game, and mainly if he makes the correct move and decision on that second read or that like kind of second focus of the play, then the Bills have a strong chance here, but they are seven-point underdogs
1: here. And in that game, we saw John Brown force himself open despite having t- tough coverage. So he's going to get that again with the Gilmore shadow heading his way. But in their first matchup, even 11 targets, over 60 yards receiving, it's not the... It's not an ideal matchup, but it's not the worst one. Like you can still roll hmm. out John Brown, despite being skeptical as like a low end wide receiver three. Well,
0: yes, but there is plenty of cause for concern. Here.
1: I know, I, I totally agree.
0: Because Josh Allen against maybe the three top defenses he's faced all year in New England, Baltimore, and Pittsburgh. While well, albeit that New England game was shortened, he's completed like forty seven percent of his passes, yeah. five yards per attempt, two touchdown passes and four interceptions. What you're banking on is him creating some type of big play, maybe with his legs, maybe connecting on a deep throw, which he just does not do consistently. And again, I'm I'm just nervous he's going to be confused. But then at the same time, again, I don't know if it matters about the opponent because if Josh Allen just makes that perfect decision, which he is capable of doing, then he has the special inside of him as well. Uh, On the New England side, watching that Cincinnati game, I thought for stretches that that Bengals defensive line kind of beat up on the Patriots offensive line, especially in the first half. Maybe not the first drive, but at points in the first half. But looking at the offensive DVOA numbers, it's, you know, we've ragged on this Patriots defense, Patriots offense all season long, but they're like right in the middle of the road. Can they get it going against this really, really good Buffalo Bills defense?
1: The way you would do it, the way they would do it would be on the, Back of Sony Michelle, but you, right. can't, you genuinely just can't trust that. Despite the matchup being good, I mean, how many times in the past three weeks alone have we said what's well, obviously a Sony Michelle game, and it turns out it's obviously not a Sony Michelle game? Interesting enough, a lot of it did happen in the second half, but still, uh, Rex Burkhead getting more involved last week as well kind of throws a wrench into even James White's usage. Hmm. So, and we've seen this in the past, right? We saw last year against the chiefs in the afc championship rex burkhead kind of was an x factor and so they tend to get him more involved he hasn't been healthy all year it's his, but it's a middle name but X factor but, but now potentially healthy like isn't that a guy they start looking more to especially when they look around and just they're lacking options hmm. um it's getting worse for Julian Edelman as well because Julian Edelman is just looks more and more banged up as it goes along. Last week alone, I believe it was an 11-week low in snaps he played. 62%. Yeah, he, he had to come off the field two catches because, remember, he went into that one. They said he received extra treatment the night before and then was still listed as active. He's been limited now for a month straight in practices, if, if not out altogether, but still playing. So it's just getting worse and worse for them every single week.
0: Yeah, there have been a number of weeks where we sat here and wondered about this Patriots offense Mm -hmm. and you know, there have been moments when I've said, well, they're going to get it together. Tom Brady's at quarterback. This is what they always do. They, they have struggles at points, but then they put the pieces together when it matters most. Well, if this offense is really going to gel, it's these next two weeks. And if it doesn't do it this week, then it's just not going to happen this season. And this is what we have to kind of expect was, I mean, you mentioned Edelman only played 62% of the snaps was a Bit of a nice sight to see Nikhil Harry get more and more involved. They even tried to manufacture touches for him a little bit more. And like you mentioned, Sonny Michelle, 103 yards last week, were his most in the game since week six. Mm. We'll, just, we'll just see if, the, you know, the Patriots can even be above average on offense because, again, they've been average at best all season that, long.
1: Their headlights, their alarms, like everything needs to be sounding because no team needs a first-round buy more than they do.
0: Um, I'll be selfish here and ask this question. You know, Julian Edelman has really gotten me to my fantasy championship Mm -hmm. in the league um, because he's been a super consistent, led the league in targets basically all season long. I don't know how I can trust him right now with how his body is holding up at the moment. Just two targets or two catches last week in this pivotal week.
1: I know you mentioned... Christian Kirk also on your bench. Yes. That's kind of a guy who's ranked probably less less than 10 spots lower, but still his floor may be higher in his terrific matchup against the Seahawks. Hmm. It's just, you know, it's tough. I mean, how do you – how? but also how do you go away in a must-win game? You know he's going to get double-digit targets, yep. assuming the Patriots don't rush out. And against this defense, like they played the Bengals last week, it was a 20-point lead was foreseeable. But seeing the Bills uh, the second time two divisions team play one another who know each other, right. like I would imagine Edelman's playing every single down.
0: And speaking of the division, it's not like New England has the AFC East locked up. Like no, if they like, win this week, they do. But if they don't, they that certainly win. opens the door for the Bills to make that run for the AFC East, which – be an awesome story. Good job Sean McDermott and Brandon Beane building that roster with an identity that they wanted.
1: You don't have confidence, but I think you're still going back to Edelman.
0: All right, let's close out Saturday's games with the Los Angeles Rams and the San Francisco 49ers. 49ers six-point home favorites here. A total of 45, and I want to bring up that total of 45 because the last time these two teams played, uh, the Rams lost 7-20. to 20. Mm-hmm. That means the 49ers won 20-70, to 70, yes. if you want to put it in that way. Um, and Jared Goff had 78 total passing yards. So how can we go from a game that had 27 total to now projecting a 45 total this week? Beats me. With the 49ers at home, I might add.
1: Beats me. Uh, maybe because recency bias, what happened against the Falcons. But recall, the Niners also had five or six missing defenders, like important defenders as well. And they still may be missing uh, drakowski Tart. Uh, but... Richard Sherman, Kwan Williams, both practicing midweek, both likely to return um, immediately. So it's still super tough matchup, especially after you saw what Jared Goff did. I can't believe McFay or no one on the broadcast brought up the uh, injured thumb, because it was very clear. Mm-hmm. Like Jared Goff can whiff on some throws. Even Jared Goff doesn't miss that bad under pressure. Wide open tosses. Uh, it was um, clearly an issue.
0: He does miss that bad under I mean, pressure. But, <laughs> On seven or eight different passes, though? Like, well, it was every single toss. Here's a number for you. From a clean pocket, Jared Goff ranks 10th in the league with 73% completion percentage. Mm-hmm. He's 29th in the league under pressure all season long with 43 completion percentage. This is just who he is. Like, know I understand, the thumb is probably just expanding it even more. Yeah, it was a big deal. Compounding it even more. Um, but, I mean, in this game, and I understand, like, the Rams have kind of changed their identity somewhat in the last few weeks. Like, yeah. we saw it with, you know, Cooper Cup playing fewer snaps. I don't know how it was last week. Cup
1: didn't ca- have a catch until the third quarter. Last right. Week. So, Same like, thing.
0: Josh Reynolds, Tyler Higbee obviously taking a, yeah. a paramount role in this offense. And this is kind of why they did what they did in OTAs and, and pre-training camp with Todd Gurley. You know, trying to save his knee, save his legs for the pivotal moments. And it's been these pivotal moments over the last few weeks. I believe Gurley played like 95% of the snaps last week. This is going back to, hey, let's do everything we can to make sure the running game is established. Mm -hmm. And I know we can joke about it, but that really is seemingly what the mindset is for the Rams right now. And then we throw a play action off of it, especially for golf outside the pocket, because he's been doing better at that where, you know, the pressure might not be in his face.
1: The matchup is super tough, but the good news for fantasy players is that there are only three options on this on this team, and that is Robert Woods, who's on the field for every snap, despite it being a tough matchup. Todd Gurley, who – Todd Gurley, as we know, they shifted, as you said, uh, the past five weeks in general, have just been loading up Todd Gurley with carries. In that time, though, Gurley has played two games – at least 96% of their snaps, and the Rams were outscored 27-89 to 89 in those two games. Hmm. Meaning, he, no matter what game script is, he's going to get every touch. And we saw that against the Cowboys. They were done by the first half, and yet he was still out there at the end of the fourth quarter catching passes because they have no other options. So Gurley is still safe as an RB2, no matter the matchup ahead of him. And the third one being Tyler Higbee, who's right. now just a bet on talent tied end five. You can't possibly bench Tyler Higbee.
0: Well, I have to consider it. I do. What are your other options? Because there are only four names. No, that's not one of them. Well, but here's the concern, because I believe um, Gerald Everett came back to practice, and I believe he was a full participant on Wednesday, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Oh, he was full on Wednesday. Okay, I didn't know that. Which is an issue, because
0: over the last three games, without Gerald Everett in the lineup, that means, again, Tyler Higby is basically playing 100% of the snaps. He leads the league in targets. He leads the league in catches at tight end, and leads the league in yards. So He's been really. And I don't know how a team moves away from that, but we don't know if they believe they are better with Gerald Everett on the field and playing that more passing down role than Tyler Higbee and what, Taylor Mount, Munt? Johnny Munt. Johnny Munt, excuse me. His mother's going to get angry at you. uh, Being the other tight end on the field. You know, like we, this is one of those situations where we think we know what is best for the team and that's throwing the ball to Tyler Higbee,
1: but we don't know what the team thinks is best for the team. Okay, so if Everett's out, then obviously it's only... Higby. Like, Higby's great. Kelsey starts. Waller. Higby. Fourth one. Can't remember the fourth one. Whoever the big fourth tight end is. Kittle. Andrews. And then Kittle. Not Andrews. I'd start Higby over Andrews. Okay. Um, but if Everett's in, that's the question we're asking yes. here. How, for, how far does he move down? So probably then Andrews, and I don't think i start Cook over Higby. Okay. If Everett's in.
0: We haven't talked about San Francisco at all. First, let me bring up their defense because, you know, DeForest Buckner's gotten a lot of love. Nick has gotten a lot of love. I want to bring up Ark Armstead's name right now. Because I think Armstead is, over the last couple games, playing better than Buckner right now. And you mentioned some of the injuries that they've had on that defensive line. Well, it's also the deepest defensive line in the NFL. And I, I really don't think that the Rams offensive line has just like magically changed. I'm not going to say, you know, Jared Goff isn't going to have more than 78 passing yards, which he will. And I bet they score more than seven points in this game. But I also think it's going to be a rough day at the office for Jared Goff, especially on the road in San Francisco. Um, quickly, with this 49ers team and their offense, last week in the passing game, it was all, all George Kittle. What, like 15 catches?
1: Yeah. Him and, him and Julio Jones somehow matched each other's yes. stat line, like stat for stat. It's so, amazing.
0: Here's my question, because Debo Samuel has emerged as a player who is one of the best in yards ever catching the league and has put up fancy points when getting targets. Emmanuel Sanders, when playing over 80% of the snaps, mm-hmm. other than last week, has emerged as a consistent weapon, either with the volume that he's getting or he's finding the end zone. Neither did anything last week. Not so right. how should we progress
1: with them this week? Debo Samuel is a low-end wide receiver three in my mind, and I have him in a vacuum ranked over Emmanuel Sanders just barely. But, again, remember, this Rams defense, since they added Jalen Ramsey, has been one of the tops in passing defenses in particular. So it's still a concerning matchup for them, like, all the way through. And the running back situation, it has become Mostert's backfield. Even last week was Mostert's backfield, but it's still – Brita and Coleman enough to the extent that, Mm. as we said before, Mostert still is like a 60% guy. He played 53% of the snaps last week. He's never going to take over the backfield. It's still a committee approach. But it's enough to where you should still trust him in this game.
0: Right, but he's not a locked-in running back one. No, but he's,
1: I, I still think he's a running back two.
0: I agree, I agree. And what was interesting, and maybe, you know, Kyle Shanahan had a bit of revenge game on his mind last week, but mm-hmm. you, we heard that Mosert was going to lead that backfield and touches, which he did, but in that first series, I believe Tevin Coleman got a lot of run. And, I mean, he was facing his former team in the Atlanta Falcons. That makes sense. I agree with you. I mean, again, in a perfect world, we would have one running back, be the king of this backfield, but you can still rely on Tevin Coleman and like a deep, deep, deep flex. If you're going that far, then uh, excuse me, we can still rely on Raheem Mostert and a deep, deep, deep flex. I would go with Matt Breida.
1: Ex- correct. And I'm starting both in the finals of the Scott Fishbowl. So fingers crossed, shout out to me.
0: Time now to bring on Patrick Bennett, Darty for a three game preview. <laughs> he writes the rankings up on World, and Pat, it's a pivotal week for the rankings. Mm-hmm. You always feel the pressure. You thrive in pressure, Pat, but more than any week, it matters this week. Let's start off with the New Orleans Saints against the Tennessee Titans. A 51 total in this game with the Saints on the road as three-point favorites. It's an important game for the Saints. It's an important game for the Titans. I will say the line moved here from one-point favorites of the Saints to now three-point favorites. Um, Pat, the Saints have a top-ten defense. But it's not really one we want to stay away from necessarily. So you still, because Ryan Tannehill, A.J. Brown got people here to their fantasy finals. Are you still going with them in this matchup?
2: I am, you know, opposing Drew Brees in his first ever outdoor game, too. So you know, that's a big wild card for this game this week. Uh, you know, Maybe the Titans can spring a spring. a. Who knows how Drew Brees will react to fresh air, you know? So really, I feel like this game shouldn't even have been on the board. There shouldn't be a Vegas total or a line for this game. A uh, horrible
0: monologue aside. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we just no-sold all three of your jokes. We no-sold the you first really one, and then you knew that, so you went to the second one. Again, a no-sell, and so you went to the third one. So John, anytime you, you know can what? triple down six. on John's a joke, it's Josh was shaking right. his
1: head the entire time off camera. I know, I figured he was. but So, you know, it's week 16.
2: Uh, Ryan Tannehill, uh, the question with him is volume. Will he have volume? And, you know, last week... Frankly, I thought he looked a little more like Dolphins Ryan Tannehill, but, you know, a good Dolphins Ryan Tannehill. And it's because he had 36 attempts. He still got three touchdowns in fantasy, one of which was a rushing touchdown. Uh, The Saints are a much tougher defense than the Texans. But as you said, the 51 over under. It's hard to see how Ryan Tannehill doesn't get the requisite volume in this game. And um, even on low volume, you know, he'd been having QB1 days. And just right now with the weapons he has – Like the kind of like the big play design of his offense, Uh, even if he kind of struggles, even if he has some turnovers, takes some sacks like he did in his Dolphins days, I think Ryan Tannehill is going to throw the ball enough to finish as a top 10 or 12 QB. So it is a tough matchup, but I still like, I'm riding with Ryan Tannehill in the finals.
1: And the good news is, if Ryan Tannehill does throw the ball a lot, it's only one weapon it's A.J. Brown, who had a 31% target share finally last week, and there's no one else to trust on this offense.
0: Pat, let's move on to this Saints offense. Um, we know Drew Brees put up monster numbers last week. You mentioned that. I'll reiterate your joke just in case it can land better this time. <laughs> this is the first game he's ever played outside in his career. Um, but while that might bring up a question, I also want to bring up the Alvin Kamara question. You know, yeah. only what, like two touchdowns this season. Maybe if you even drafted him, he hasn't. you're not even in your fantasy championship. Maybe some people are. What's going on with Alvin Kamara right now, Pat?
2: well it's weird i mean obviously i think part of it was wasn't quite the same following the high ankle sprain yep. you know kind of like what we saw with saquon barkley kind of what we saw with matt ryan people not talking about you know, when you come back from a high ankle sprain this is very typical to struggle and alvin kamara you know he's basically been like aaron jones this year without the touchdowns not really getting past 11 or 12 carries most weeks uh he is doubling up aaron jones and average catches he's catching six passes a week uh you know there's the Taysom hill factor of course uh but I I still like Alvin Kamara. To me, he's still a locked-in RB1. when You you know, when you're running back, you're getting over 10 carries a game, catching six passes a game. I mean, that's pretty compelling usage, even minus goal line work. And, you know, it's the goal line work, I mean, it just feels very fluky. You know, this is just kind of like a classic. The NFL season is only a 16-game sample size. Mm-hmm. And sometimes random stuff happens. And to me, that's probably honestly still the most likely
1: explanation with Alvin Kamara.
0: Um, and we're definitely starting – I'm just, I am just—I was going to make a bad joke, but then I There's stopped There's been enough bad jokes
1: in the last five minutes of my life. I need to calm
0: down. I'm so glad I'm able to reset when I start doing that. All right, let's move on. Let's go to the Dallas Cowboys at the Philadelphia Eagles, Pat. This is a 46 total, two and a half favorites the Cowboys are on the road. We know the last time the Cowboys played, it was one of the best games we've seen from them in the past five or six. They absolutely demolished the L.A. Rams. Pat, they seemingly have the potential to do that against any defense. Good or bad defense. And they're getting a bad defense this week in the Philadelphia Eagles, especially in the back half, especially on deep bombs. Could we see a rebound game from Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup this week?
2: Well, you know, the good thing about the Cowboys is they always follow up a good performance with another good performance. So see, that was, good get, laugh. <laughs> that was a good well, joke.
0: you got to laugh. good chuckle.
1: Very
2: easy team uh, to rely on. You know, I've... When I was looking for things to be worried about this week, you know, Dak Prescott has the shoulder issue. Uh, Jerry Jones has claimed that will not be an issue. Uh, The Eagles defense, you know, still an easy defense to pass on. They've tightened up a little bit kind of the past four or five weeks, not quite Bucks or Cardinals level anymore in terms of someone uh, that you kind of like get everyone in the lineup you possibly can against them. But, I mean, Amari Cooper has just dominated the Eagles – um, as a Dallas Cowboy, uh, we'll see very little reason to not expect that trend to continue this week. Uh, Michael Gallup, you know, had really uh, he's seen ten or more targets in three of the past six games. I wouldn't let last week's weird game flow, game script dud discourage people from starting Michael Gallup. To me, he's a he's a top twenty guy against this Eagles secondary. And yeah, I mean, I think this will be kind of one of those weird, hard fought, you know, outdoors, cold weather like really tough late season division games. But I I, I'm, I have a lot
1: of confidence in the
2: Cowboys' main skill players getting their fantasy numbers this week.
1: That's especially after the Dak injury, like to say a lot of confidence, man, because I've been struggling with the Dak decision, uh, and it was Jerry Jones. We, and we know this is a must-win game. Dak is going to play probably no matter what. But just the fact that he reportedly came out last week and told Amari Cooper that, hey, I can't throw the RPO. That was concerning. Yeah, <laughs> and that's why, that's why he had 23 <laughs> pass attempts against the Rams, supposedly. But as you said, it is a terrific matchup, and if someone's going to attack, even though we know Ezekiel Elliott has historically owned the Eagles, uh, it is a great matchup for the Cowboys receivers as a whole.
0: And, I mean, it's an absolutely pivotal game. This decides the NFC East.
1: It's a ma- must-win, yeah.
0: Because after this, I mean, both teams obviously 7-7. Seven and seven the Cowboys get the Washington Redskins to close out the season, and Philadelphia gets the New York Giants to close out the season. So both teams expected to win in Week 17. So whoever wins this one gets it. Um, Pat, on the Philadelphia side, I mean, somehow, and it's ugly every single week, but Carson Wentz still is able, in like easy matchups or, you know, just disgusting games, is able to come (laughs) back and lead his team to victory. Um, I would say that, You know, I'm not going to rely on, and this isn't rocket science, someone like Greg Ward in the Fancy Football Finals. But Zach Ertz, and I'll throw out, obviously, Miles Sanders, because Miles Sanders, Pat, is the most explosive element of this Eagles team and has been for weeks.
2: He is. You know, honestly, even Greg Ward, if you're truly desperate, has drawn nine targets each of the past two weeks. He's clearly... The only receiver uh, Carson Wentz actually trusts, of course, he trusts Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard. But you know, I feel like Carson Wentz, this isn't really fan, but like has been getting a little bit of an unfair rap. You know, he was so bad in the first half of that Monday night game against the Giants. I think people have you know, kind of ignored the fact he has eight touchdowns over his past three games. Where again, this is a period where Greg Ward has largely been running as his number one receiver. Uh, you know, Miles Sanders kind of he was putting it together against the Giants two weeks ago, then kind of got banged up in that second half, and we had the Boston Scott scare. But then Miles Sanders, you know, last week that was the game we've been waiting for all season with Miles Sanders, and yeah, he's a very intriguing, potentially league-winning RB two this week. Huh someone who can make big plays you know locked in volume and someone who can make big plays both as a pass catcher and as a runner so Miles Sanders you know again it's been an inconsistent season but I, I think he's a pretty comfortable 18 to 20 touch projection for me this week and someone with his big playability I'm excited about starting him this week
1: my only I am excited about Miles Sanders my only issue with Carson Wentz is that Visually, the Eagles just make everything look hard. That's why we're so turned off by the offense. Because they do have somewhat spry playmakers, but it's ugly watching them force first downs every week. And also, the thing with Greg Ward, though – is that last week, uh, Washington, Zach Ertz was having his way. And you remember the second half, they took their entire secondary and just shifted over to Ertz's side of the field. And that's why <laughs> Ward saw eight of his nine targets in the second half. That's why I'm concerned about him. And let me well, say. well, it could
2: happen again, of course. I mean, I'm Zach Ertz, true. I'm assuming, is going to be a game planning priority. And
1: 18 priority targets in two games. Like, that is consistent well, volume. And in many ways, it
0: kind of comes down to this Dallas linebacker core, which is, has been up and down all season long. You can't like, predict what they're no, going to do. You can't at all because Sean Lee might have a great week or he might be one of the worst linebackers yep. in the yeah. league.
2: Leighton Vander Esch was like one of the most under-discussed like absences of the 2019 NFL season. His career right? Done.
0: Um, and you said that like, People haven't been given credit for Carson Wentz. I don't want to come off as one of those people. Like, I think Carson Wentz is still a super talented football player. But just because of the environment he's in right now, it's going to look ugly unless he just makes these ludicrous plays like he did last week against the Washington Redskins. Of the best uh, some throws of, the of year. those passes in, like, you know, the back right of the end zone. And he has those in his repertoire. But also, I think, like, the little blips he has in his game – can show up more when things around him are going poorly as well. But, I mean, you can say that about every quarterback across the league. And, I, again, I still think Carson Wentz is a top-ten quarterback in the NFL for sure. All right, Pat, let's close it out with the Green Bay Packers and the Minnesota Vikings. 45-and-a-half total. This is Monday night football. Minnesota at
1: home, four-and-a-half point favorites. The game that is arguably going to decide yes. everyone's
0: fantasy championship. There, there is no one else <laughs> to talk about in this game right now other than Dalvin Cook being out. So that means either Mike Boone and or Alexander Madison are going to share this backfield. We have no idea how it's going to be handled right now because it's no. Thursday at 1241 Eastern. Um, so, Pat, if Alexander Madison misses this game because he missed last week's game, how highly are you going to have Mike Boone rated?
2: Amir Abdullah takeover, nope. right? No, uh, no. Uh, I originally, so I had Mike Boone slot in as the RB13. And then, uh, you know, Mike Zimmer came out. We were talking about it on the Roto-World Slack. Kind of tried to confuse the situation, making it sound like Dalvin Cook might actually play this week. You know, then we got a report from Adam Schefter, the most reliable in the business, that that is very unlikely to play. Uh, you know, very hard to get any smoke signals whatsoever on Alexander Madison. He seems to be like a true mystery. Hopefully we have a better idea of his status by Sunday morning. but. I'm operating right now yeah, under the assumption that Mike Boone is probably going to be leading this backfield. Now they've had a whole game week to game plan for this. I actually, kidding aside, would expect Amir Abdullah to be have some involvement. But you know, you know this is run heavy offense. We saw Mike Boone plug and play last week, and I will comfortably have Mike Boone as like an elite RB two, a plug and play guy for the fantasy finals, and somewhere in that RB thirteen to
1: fifteen range. Maybe I'd do a sprinkle in a little bit. I don't want to. I don't want to let everyone walk away from this podcast don't get nervous of... yeah like Mike Boone is still, as you said, oh, no, get nervous. Top, you're, you're hedging here. Kidding. Yeah, Mike Boone is top 15 play with ease. And remember, uh, Abdullah four of his five touches only came once Dalvin Cook left, and once Mike Boone already punched in his second touchdown to put the team up 39 to 10 last week. He was just their mop up guy. Otherwise, it was Mike Boone out touching Abdullah 11 to 5 once Cook left. Like this is Boone's he back. Had, Abdullah had mixed in, you know, a little bit earlier in the no, game. No, he had one think... touch.
2: Yeah, well, OK, he was playing some special teams, too, I believe. Uh, but the way, just the way I would look at it is that, yeah, when they, I doubt they want Mike Boone, you know, who has not been involved all year, to just suddenly be, you know, a 25-touch player. So all I'm I saying, I just wouldn't be surprised if it's a little bit more of a two-back approach. No. No. But again, I, I feel comfortable enough, of course, having Mike Boone in the top right. 15 as well. So I not think, to try to over-worry people. Right.
0: I think the only thing we need to be nervous about is that this game is played on Monday Night Football. And so we might not know the Alexander Madison situation before Sunday at one or Saturday. I mean, there's a doomsday at scenario one. where we have
2: two game time decisions for this game. I mean, right. We can't even. Not like Dalvin Cook has been ruled out yet. Uh, especially he's with probably three, going to be. But yeah, we could have some game time decision hell going on with this game.
0: Especially with three pivotal games on Saturday as well. Look, we might find out more news on Friday, but I think worst case scenario is we see one of these backs get 60%, the other back 40%. And I think no matter what, if Madison or Boone, because I think all three are talented, including Dalvin Cook, obviously, but we want one to get the workload. Because if one gets the workload, he's going to be a top total scorer this week, and he's going to help people win their fantasy championships. Now, the, you know, the, the best scenario to be in, which I might be in, is you have both Madison and Mike Boone on your roster. So then you have that flex spot open, and you just have that space for either one who's going to head in that game. Who would
2: you flex? Say Madison is like a game time decision. Right. And he's playing. Do you truly trust Madison over Mike Boone? I think in that scenario, i would go with
0: Mike Boone because I I know that Madison has worked as a second running back all year long and he's looked good. I know some people dislike Alexander Madison out there, including one in the newsroom whose name may be Ian Harditz, (laughs) but he's looked good. And in a lot of ways, I know you can say, well, he hasn't broken a lot of tackles or all these situational <sighs> stats. Well, the situation he hops into is the team up by a lot in the fourth quarter, and they know they're trying to run the football in those scenarios. And you just plug Madison in as a closer.
1: I just don't – I don't think it matters if it's he's looked good. The fact is if Madison's active, that takes away everyone. Right. Like that even takes away Mike Boone from being a league-winning option. Huh. That's why – I think uh, Friday night I'll probably have to conjure up a list of like 12 or 13 running backs that I would start no matter the situation, and then we can adjust, assess from there because it's going to be a super tough decision.
0: Now time for Hayden Winks, mm-hmm. the fantasy forecaster himself. Look, if you've put off reading the fantasy forecast for 15 weeks of the season, shame on you, one. But two, go and check it out. It's now too late. is the week to check it out when it's the most meaningful. Hayden, all right, let's start off. Arizona Cardinals... At the Seattle Seahawks, massive total in this game of 50. Uh, Seattle at home here, nine and a half point favorites. From a margin of victory standpoint, Hayden, it kind of makes all the difference in the world that Seattle is at home here because we see them struggle no matter where they go, basically, on the road. But here is a smash spot against this Cardinals defense.
3: Yeah, all these guys are going to eat. The Cardinals can't stop anybody on the run and the air against tight ends are by far the worst defense. So um, obviously Russell Wilson is going to be in play as like a top five option. Same thing with Chris Carson. The one person I want to highlight on the Seahawks is Tyler Lockett. He was, he's been the wide receiver 43 since the week 11 bye. but I think we can kind of chalk that up to his injuries and his illness. And last year he posted an eight twenty one receiving line. And I think that's kind of, um, the positive news we needed to get him back into the top, like 15 mix this week.
1: And your opinion then where does DK Metcalf fall as well? Because that's someone in the wide receiver three range, I would say that people are going to have a tough decision with maybe he's even a wide receiver two this week, honestly.
3: Yeah, I called him, I think I'm gonna call him a, a upside wide receiver three in my column. His air yards have been really consistent week to week, but doesn't mean his production's been quite as consistent. Just he's targeted deep downfield and in the red zone so frequently, so he's, he's going to be a boomer-bust asset. But um, against the Cardinals, you, you definitely want to line up.
0: Three names on the Cardinals here. We've seen Kyler Murray have wonderful weeks. Um, we've seen Christian Kirk have really good weeks, but he's dealing with an injury. And then last week, we saw Kenyon Drake, what, have three touchdowns? Four. Four touchdowns. Four. Ooh. So, yeah. you know, based on that Kenyon Drake performance, a lot of those people are in their fantasy final Um, Look, the Seahawks' defense, again, an up-and-down roller coaster for them as well. How are you handling these three Cardinals offensive players?
3: Well, the one thing I'm tracking is I think the Seahawks' injury report on Wednesday was the worst in the league on on defense. They had multiple plus-level starters on the injury report. They were even, uh, like, DNPs. So that's something I'm going to be tracking. If uh, some of those guys are missing, then I'd be a lot more confident in Kyler Murray. I do like the over in this game, just in general. Um, The Seahawks, just because of those injuries, and um, I think both these offenses can really get going with two kind of running, scrambling quarterbacks, and then basically everyone on the offense is healthy uh, on both teams.
1: As you said, uh, Seahawks had five players leave early last week. Um, They are creating pressure at the league's lowest rate right now, and and among those injuries that could be out this week, uh, Shaq Griffin, Michael Kendricks, De'Veon Clowney, just important players all around, and so I know Kyler let us down last week, but even in the fantasy championship, I absolutely love this spot for him.
0: Hayden, let's uh, go to the next game. That's the Oakland Raiders at the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, we know what happened to Oakland last week. I mean, they had that win against the Jaguars, then they just completely let it go in the last game. The
1: last game in at Oakland. the
0: Coliseum. Um, we talked about Mike Boone earlier in the podcast, stepping in for Dalvin Cook. Well, there's going to be no Josh Jacobs, it seems like, for the remainder of the year. Probably. Which meaning this week as well. So, probably DeAndre Washington gets at least 17 touches in this game. How close are you, with everyone praising Mike Boone and how he might win fantasy championships – to DeAndre Washington doing the same thing.
3: Yeah, he's a low-end RB2 um, right now. Last The last time he started, 14 carries, 7 targets on 63% of the snaps. And that was in a 21-point loss. So if the game's closer, which obviously it should be closer, um, I'm expecting at least 15 carries from DeAndre Washington, sprinkling a couple targets in there, and then you got low-end RB2. I, I I think Mike Boone's going to be – ranked way higher especially if Alexander Madison is in fact out um, then I think Mike Boone would be like a top 10 option DeAndre Washington would be closer to like RB20.
1: There were concerns about Melvin Gordon uh, he was obviously benched after second fumble in that game but also game script got out of hand uh, that's why he matched Eckler and snaps and targets seven carries for Melvin Gordon last week With game script that we can project will likely be better in Los Angeles' final home regular season finale, as well as possibly Phillip Rivers' last career game in Los Angeles, are you trusting Melvin Gordon in this matchup, or is it a game that people should fire up Eckler over him?
3: Yeah, I think that I have him right next to each other in my initial rankings. Eckler's just been so efficient. The the thing with Eckler is he's only averaging 6.3 carries and 5.4 receptions with Melvin this year. He's been insanely efficient. He has like eight receiving touchdowns this year. And he's averaging 9.8 yards per target, which is I think the third highest of all time among running backs um, with at least 50 targets. So he's just been so efficient and I want to keep believing in him, especially in this matchup. So there's a top 15 running back. And I I think I would still go back to the well with Melvin Gordon, the matchup's just too good. Um, If you're getting a deflated Raiders defense, that's already terrible on paper. I think you're going to want uh, Melvin Gordon as
0: RB, 2 Yeah, so what Dago just brought up is interesting because when you look at this game, these, like, final two weeks kind of maybe, possibly, decide the futures of both these quarterbacks. Sure. With Derek Carr, you know, some people might love him in Oakland Raider circles, but then he's a limited player, right? He's not someone mm-hmm. who can really carry you when the ball doesn't go where it's supposed to in the period of time it's supposed to. Outside of structure. People get mad when I say outside of structure. That's what I mean by
1: no, that. No, that's fine. That's what it is.
0: Um, but then with Philip Rivers, it's just been, I mean, he has no arm left. You know, like where Phillip Nothing Rivers in shot. the past has really worked the pocket very well and was one of the best anticipation throwers in the NFL, throwing to a spot and ex- expecting his receiver to run underneath it. Now it's like... I have no idea where this ball is going. It might go straight to a defender, and it's doing that a lot this year. So, like again, this might be when the last two weeks we see both Philip Rivers. I'm gonna be shocked if we see Terod Taylor in this game, and then Derek Carr with the Oakland Raiders as well.
3: Yeah, this is a good spot for both of these or both these teams to move on from these quarterbacks, just going into new stadiums. They both need a, a refresh. They're both gonna be picking around the tenth overall pick in the draft. Maybe they get Herbert Falls or. We get better news with Tua, but yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if both both of these quarterbacks were playing on different teams, or Philip Rivers just retires in general. Uh, I mean, Rivers has just been struggling, and this is with like really strong um, skill position players, yep. two good running backs, two good receivers, and then a top ten tight end as well.
1: And remember, both Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler are free agents at the end of the year, so perhaps that two fumbles just sealed Gordon's fate altogether. And we know Hayden wouldn't pay either of them because he doesn't like to pay (laughs) running backs.
0: All right, Maybe Eckler, maybe, maybe Eckler. I I heard you You wouldn't pay Christian McCaffrey, you said. You're going to pay Austin Eckler?
3: Well, I don't think. It would
0: also also cost more money for Eckler. All right, let's close it out with Sunday Night Football. Kansas City Chiefs at the Chicago Bears. Really fun matchup here. Five-and-a-half point favorites. The Chiefs are a total of 45 and a half. Um, Hayden, Patrick Mahomes was back to his magic last week yep. in a bad situation. I mean, it was in a blizzard. He was falling away from throws, making ones that maybe no one else in the league could make. Uh, but prior to that, you know, some uncomfortable games from a production standpoint. Um, again, this Bears team is nowhere near defensively where they were in 2018. I think they're getting a Hicks picks back this week. So it's a defense that we do need to worry about on some level. But also, Hayden, this Chiefs offense is very narrow now with Mahomes to Kelsey and Tyreek Kill, and that's it.
3: Yeah, the Bears um, haven't allowed twenty fantasy points to an opposing quarterback this year. I think wow. I'm guessing that's the only team that's uh, done that. And uh, yeah, Mahomes to me I, in my notes, I wrote that this was the best he's looked since his injury. Even like I think against the Titans, he had like like what four hundred fifty yards and three touchdowns. But I think he looked better last week, more mobile. Um, back to those explosion plays. But, yeah, like you said, it's it's Travis Kelsey with elite production, elite usage. And then Tyreek Hill, um, the same thing, two touchdowns last week. And even Sammy Watkins still is being utilized. He just does nothing with them. It's super frustrating. Um, but against the Bears on the road, obviously you're going to be fading uh, Sammy. So it's just Mahomes, Kelsey, and Tyreek.
1: Let's go to this Bears side because we know, as we said, the Chiefs have a concentrated target tree. We know the guys we're playing. We can't trust any of their backfield, even if Damian Williams comes back. But for the Bears, Mitch Trubisky has been a top five quarterback given matchups, but a top five quarterback the past five weeks now. And he has reliable receivers in Allen Robinson and Anthony Miller, who have also been top 16 receivers in that span. But this Kansas City secondary is so underrated. I mean, number good. number six and pass defense DVOA go further in the advanced metrics, and their top seven in EPA allowed. They have been incredible. And so, how do you think Trubisky will fare attacking them in this particular game? Not well.
0: Not well.
3: Yeah, I, I'm. I think there's too many quarterbacks on like a 32 team slate to worry about Trubisky against the Chiefs. But I am interested in Anthony Miller, but only if uh, Taylor Gabriel. is in fact out he hasn't practiced he's still in the concussion protocol um so the last three games without gabriel seven receptions 100 yards and 0.7 touchdowns those are his averages that's like a really strong wide receiver one wide receiver two production um if gabriel's out he's a like a flex play at least for me and then obviously we're firing up Allen robinson
0: all right that's going to do us go and check out hayden's fantasy forecast column and obviously pat's rankings again want to reiterate daigle this saturday Noon Eastern, on the heels of an Aston Villa victory, we will, we will be in Studio 2 with Roto World Live. That's twitch.tv slash rotoworld. We will have more Mike Boone information at that point. Alexander Madison information at that point, we yes. hope. Um, so we're going <clears> to <throat> spend that time setting your optimal lineups, answering your questions, and previewing games. That does it for us. If you enjoyed the podcast, rate and review, tell one friend. We'll talk to y'all soon. See you everyone.